welcome to 99 Potions, Fanbyte's premiere and only RPG podcast. Uh, this is a little bit of a weird week for me because I am not joined by my usual hosts, uh, managing editor Steven Strom uh, and head of large or whatever you might want to interpret his title as John Warren. Um, Steven is buying a house or like in the process of buying a house. Um, can't be me. And uh, John had his second power outage uh, today. So this week, I, Natalie Flores, featured contributor at Fanbyte, am joined by two different but equally marvelous hosts. Uh, one you've already been introduced to and will know quite well, Erman Khan. How are you? <coughs> I'm quite. I am quite good. Award-winning uh, feature contributor. Nally Flores. Oh, thank you. Uh, you you need to introduce yourself number. as that. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Um, <laughs> anyway, that makes me nervous. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're moving on to uh, our guest co-host this week. Elise Fave. Um, I always say Favis, but it's Favis, and you always like correct. <laughs> she's literally one of my best friends, and I say her name wrong, so that's proof. Like I've always said on this podcast, I pronounce everything wrong. Elise Favis from Washington Post. Hi, how are you? Hi, it's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, so we have Elise and Ron um, and me here because we're talking about what we want from Dragon Age 4, baby. Um, this week was the anniversary of Dragon Age 2, which Imran Khan does not like and will make a parent nope. at some point throughout the episode. Um, but Elise and I, I think Elise, we love Dragon Age 2, right? I do. And we all love I, Dragon Age here, I'm pretty sure. We, I, yes. Yeah, like as a series as a whole, for sure. But I, I do I do love DA2 um, more than most people, I think. Yes, and I kind of want to go around the table since I have talked about my love for Dragon Age throughout various episodes before, but uh, Imran has not talked about his history with Dragon Age, and I would love to know Elisa's history with Dragon Age before we really get into the conversation. Um, so let's start with Imran. What is your history with Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Inquisition, since those are the only ones you want to perceive? <laughs> so I, I really loved Origins. I thought Origins was... I remember... I had like the scale I used for games at times, like, did I stay up all night playing it? And Origins passed that scale. Granted, that was because of the fade, and the fade was just a really, really long segment. But like I I really enjoyed that game and its characters and its not necessarily self-contained story, but more it, it had a very broad and yet interesting character story. Then I didn't like Dragon Age 2 for reasons we will get into as we go like <laughs> further into this episode. But I I just didn't feel like that game held up or was it was not a sequel to Dragon Age Oranges, which is what I really wanted. So mm -hmm. those like that's basically my, I am the weird person who whenever a Bioware discussion goes up, I'm like the first game was the best. And that applies to multiple series in the Bioware over. But for me, it was Dragon Age Oranges was the game I loved and Dragon Age 2 was the one I really didn't like. What about Dragon Age Inquisition? What do you feel about that? I felt like the hinterlands were too long and I gave up at some point. Okay, but oh, even man. people who love Inquisition will agree with you on that 100%. <laughs> I don't know anyone 
who doesn't agree with that. I know that Elise agrees with that because she yeah. wrote it down in the notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Angela has this too long and it's too much bullshit. And I, I just remember when stuff. that first came out and I remember seeing several leads on that project going to Twitter and being like, please get out of the hinterlands. It is not the entire game. And I'm like, you should not have to go on Twitter as a as an executive on this game to tell people not to stay in the first area of the game. Like that should be, they know that that could have been a lot better executed. It should be the subtitle, Dragon Age 4, or Dragon Age 3, leave the hinterlands yes. at some point. Exactly. Definitely. Uh, Elise, tell us about your history with Dragon Age. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I think similar, similar to Imran, uh, I loved Dragon Age Origins and I remember like at that time I was playing most games in like my parents' basement. It was on this like tiny little (laughs) TV and like. A little gremlin. Not the, not the best, yeah, like a little gremlin, uh, not the best setup, um, but I, like, did, I, like, barely leave that couch. Like, I, I just, like, spent, I think, four or five days just, like, just devouring that game, and I loved it. Um, Dragon Age 2, I played shortly after because I, both at the time, were both out Um, and Dragon Age 2, I mean, like, it it, it takes a different, you know, the combat feels different, it's more action-oriented, and that's fine. Um, You know, there's a lot of reused environments. Like, a lot of the stuff that people get really angry about with Dragon Age 2, I just kind of sat there being like, that's fine, it doesn't bother me that much. Um, it can also be really easily explained by the really unique development that game had. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The like rushed development that they had too. Um, and so, you know, what I enjoyed most really was the characters and the story. Um, so yes. that really stuck with me. And I still will like, I will still definitely say that I think Dragon Age 2 has the best characters of the whole T. series. And yeah, and I enjoyed Inquisition as well. <laughs> Imran, is there anything redeeming that you can say about Dragon Age 2? I didn't. Uh, wholly dislike it. Like there are parts of that game, like there are, like, you guys mentioned the characters, and I think a lot of the characters are fairly good. Uh, okay, we can like, work with that. I don't necessarily like all their designs, but I thought the character writing for a lot of the a lot of them was uh, above and beyond what Dragon Age could re- like had done before, and I think it was above even Mass Effect One. Really, mm-hmm. the issues I had with them are. It, Okay, if we're going to go into the issues I have with the game as a whole, I think the quest design of Dragon Age 2 was mm-hmm. way below Inquisition and Mass Effect at that time. I think Dragon Age 2 came after Mass Effect 2, correct? I don't have the the timeline mm. in my head, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Wait, sorry, Can Dragon Age 2 came out, did you say before or after? After Mass Effect 2. Jordo is checking. Jordo is our fact checker. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to say something that's wrong because I can't remember. Dragon Age 2 was released on March 8, 2011. And I think Mass Effect was Mass Effect 2 was before that. Wasn't it a 2010 oh, game? Yeah, yeah January 26, 2010. So I think that's a lot of what like colors how I feel about mm. Dragon Age 2. Is that when there, there's a big, large, there's a large theme in uh, Dragon Age Two of people are, our mages are always just a little bit away from 
becoming evil. And I think one of the, at the time I was becoming more increasingly aware of the way fantasy themes use like their, uh, their morality plays to talk about race and talk about ethnicity and things like that. So it, this to me always felt like a situation of, yeah, the the other can be very strange and should be watched upon and be can be dangerous. And I always felt Dragon Age 2's, the way it should have been is it should have tried to fight against that idea by saying, mm-hmm. actually, no, you're, you're looking at this all wrong. Just because the perception and the stereotype is these people are a step away from just going snapping and going crazy doesn't mean that's actually the way it is. Instead, what happens is every time anyone who's a mage is even slightly pushed, they just go straight evil. And I'm like, no, this you're trying to establish these areas of gray into this thing or not. Sorry. You're trying to establish areas of gray into a thing that should actually be black and white. And mm-hmm. the, that's what really killed me with the writing is mm-hmm. It was so desperate to try and act like there was a both sides to certain things mm-hmm. that it really hurt itself when trying to actually tell the story. That's interesting because as we transition into talking about what we want to see from Dragon Age 4, I know that Elise Ash, you felt like the Templars were um, sort of portrayed a lot more to be the bad side, quote-unquote, between the mages and the Templars? Because Inquisition really built on that mage versus Templar conflict. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends from game to game. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think you're right that Inquisition especially, it was that war between mages and Templars. Um, And I think that, I think that Dragon Age is the most, is at its most interesting when it kind of diverges away from that, binary good and evil personally um like that's why i think andrews is a really interesting character and unfortunately solace we'll get into him but he is (laughs) he's a very well-written character and um and i think that's and and it kind of plays into that morality thing too I think Vivian as well I think Inquisition putting Vivian in your party and how she expands on the circle the circle mage and the power of mages and to what extent that should be given total freedom or to what extent that should be um controlled within certain circumstances I think that was just so it added so much layer, especially because Vivian is this very specific person with a, you know, a very specific history. She has, you know, braved the circle system and she has a different perspective that not anyone else in your party tends to have. I think Dorian as well is a really interesting addition mm-hmm. because, um, he is a mage, but he does, and he is wonderful. He is one of my favorite characters, and I think it's hard to not like him. But there are, aren't there, in, isn't there like an instance where he, because of his background with Tevinter, he kind of makes excuses for the system and how it operates, especially uh, yeah. in regards to slavery? Yes, I'm pretty sure that's there. <laughs> yeah, because I remember people talking about that at the time. Like, oh, I love Dorian, but he is a bit of an apologist for the Tevinter system. Um, so, yeah, I I know that that's something you want to see more of the next Dragon Age. Um, and something that I want to see more of, too. Just, I love that Midge Templar conflict, but getting more nuanced uh, versions of it. Especially, I guess... For the Templars, I think you might, that's what you were getting into in your notes, sort of like 
having more complexity in the Templar characters and their moralities. Right. Yeah. I, I think like complexity is kind of where you want to go here, but like mm-hmm. we're talking about nuance in the areas of gray, which I do think, I, I don't mean to say that they're not like necessary in these stories, but mm-hmm. it feels like they take so many shortcuts in Dragon Age 2 specifically. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's where it kind of falls apart. Like you yeah. can have the, the story of two warring sides and actually so that neither side is completely pure or completely like bad or good or whatever. But it is, when it does become this thing of, well, we're writing a short quest and we can't have we this we don't know the extensive backstory of this one kid whose mom died and thus he's become a blood mage. But it does from the outside looking in, from your character's perspective, from Hawk's perspective, of like, hey, I'm gonna help you. Oh wait, sh- you became a blood mage. Whoops. Like that <laughs> feels like such a bad writing shortcut. Yeah. Absolutely. It it does feel like it leans into almost extremism sometimes to try and uh portray the both sides kind of thing that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Like I yeah. think Anders is an example of that where it's just, it's, it's a very extreme way of showing like, you know, mages are not all good and bad kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot at least was no. Did you romance Anders in dragon age? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cause I know that something else that you um, put in your notes here is like, I'm curious as to your romance histories, both of you, because I haven't heard about that. And well, I have heard of Elisa's, but I don't remember exactly. Um, so I am curious as to how your romances affected your playthroughs and um, how you want to see a change maybe in the way that romances are done in Dragon mm. Age 4. Because dra- romance is such a huge part of Bioware games in general, but Dragon Age especially, depending on, like, like in Dragon Age Inquisition, romancing Solus can really change that story for you. I know that I romance him five times and that really changed the story for me. Um, so, <laughs> so I want to hear about your romances. Yeah, uh, in Origins, I actually didn't romance anybody. Um, and I think that's because I couldn't romance Morgan because I, I was a female uh yeah, she a hattie. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> like, yeah, so that so I didn't. I don't think I romanced anyone. Um, and then in Inquis, not in Inquis, uh, in Dragon Age Two. Oh, Isabella, right? Sorry, Isabella. Yeah. So, well, I started off. Um, I started off dating while well, I was thinking of like Meryl at first, and mm-hmm. then I went all the way to the point of like sleeping with her and then I was like this doesn't feel right and I just like <laughs> went back to an older <laughs> I was like she's so cute but she's like not for me like she is adorable but like I just wasn't feeling it so I was like I I want to like take care of you I don't want to date you <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway I like went like I went with my older save and uh I ended up dating Isabella which was so much better and uh honestly my dream for like Dragon Age 4 is it starts on like a pirate ship ship and I'm like sailing off with Isabella like I just I just want like a pirate game with Isabella anyway it's not going to be that but uh <laughs> that's what I want uh and in Inquisition I am totally blanking on her name, but you know the girl who, Sarah? 
not well i did i did date sarah so i jump around a lot like you're gonna realize this with my romances is like i feel things out like i did this with mass effect as well i had this whole love triangle with garris and thane for the longest time until i ultimately chose thane wait wasn't Um, it liara and thane well well sure but like liara (laughs) i'm talking about like mass effect 2 so liara was like barely there and i was very upset that she was barely there but anyway i was trying to move on so (laughs) Um, didn't you tell me a story about how liara started hating your guts because you ended up going with thane Oh, yeah. She was actually upset that I was visiting Thane in the hospital, which was felt really bad. In that seems like a jerk move by Liara. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. she was very cold. Um, I'm still upset with her about it. Because <laughs> I think what at least weren't you dating Liara? Like you hadn't broken up with Liara when you started dating Thane. And that's well, why Liara. Okay, now you're twisting the truth a little there. <laughs> like, no. Um, <laughs> also, you were but, dating but, Josephine, but, right? That's whose name you forgot. Yes, Josephine. Thank you. So I started with her once again. Didn't exactly feel right, and then I switched over to Sarah, which, to be honest, like didn't feel completely right either. But she was more fun, and we got to play pranks on people together and eat cookies on the roof. So <laughs> it worked out. It was like, oh, it felt right with Sarah for you. Because oh. mm, she's like my least favorite character. So I was like, did it really feel right? Imran, eh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I be- so I'm I'm trying to remember from like years and years ago. At this point, I want to say I was trying to romance Leliana, mm-hmm. but her thing was like. I married to God. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. And then at the end of the game, Morrigan was my romance insofar as you could romance Morrigan when she says, give me a demon baby. So I was like, all right, <laughs> yes. cool. Well, let's do oh that. Oh my God, yes. And then uh, in Dragon Age 2, I think I had the same thing as you, Elise, where like I started with Meryl, then I real like, it became this thing of, you're a little too like childlike for this to be, you know, in yeah. any way legal. <laughs> serious thing. So, <laughs> so I think uh, at that point it was Isabella. So basically what happens is I start with like the the woman you should bring home to mom. And then I'm like, no, but what about the one who hates me? Like, she seems real cool. <laughs> who did you romance in Inquisition? Uh, I did not get far enough to answer that question. So I don't know. <gasps> Where did you I stop should... in Inquisition? Um... It was, I was in the hinterlands for like eight hours and then I left mm-hmm. there and went to some place where lightning was striking everywhere. And I think that's where I stopped because I moved to California and I just never picked it back up again after that. Wow. Damn. Yeah. You- so that might be a thing that I do play before Dragon Age 4 comes out. <laughs> yeah, you should. You probably should. But I mean, <laughs> who knows when Dragon Age 4 is going to come out? So you have hey, they showed some models on a Blake background. That, that game's basically done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they showed some concept art in the last big update as like several Bioware developers would talk on screen and then they played some <laughs> really cool music. And But I mean, from what I've seen, I'm really excited. I think I, I definitely find myself frustrated in the same way that kind of Shepard uh, at the site also feels frustrated in the sense that like it's very hard to get attached to a specific set of characters in Dragon Age because each one has a different 
cast and you play as a totally different protagonist. Like so many people want to play as the Inquisitor from Dragon Age 3 slash Dragon Age Inquisition and Dragon Age 4. And technically they can make it work. They just choose not to. And they've they've pulled some story beats to to sort of make it seem like they have no other choice. But I feel like it's something they could do if they wanted to, but they're very much very much not going to because Dragon Age focuses on the world rather than right. the characters. And there's so much character work that goes into every single cast member in each game that it feels like a wasted opportunity. Mm. It's I, I mean I I admire the fact that they kind of anthologize the series and like mm-hmm. kind of restart with you with different casts like with some returning characters between them because otherwise yeah. it does kind of feel like fantasy Mass Effect if you start doing it like this is the story of the shepherd or mm-hmm. the literal shepherd or whatever like at some point you kind of I think even Bioware was aware of this that they had to differentiate the two series because mm-hmm. by Inquisition it, they did feel very similar. If, at least in terms of like, this is what a Bioware game feels like. In terms, like this is what a Remedy game feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I feel like Shepard is so much more of a defined character than even the Inquisitor is, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think Dragon Age has done really well at kind of adapting. Like each game, like Imran is saying, each game has a kind of its own character. And story, um, and it doesn't mean that those you know, like it still is able to have continuity with your decisions, which I think is really neat. Is like you have you you know I'm hoping in Dragon Age Four, for example, that your your decisions continue to turn over into that new entry, um, but more in like uh, you know in in the characters you meet, like you know with returning characters coming back and how you treated them before, and also just mm-hmm. how the world has changed um, from those decisions that you made with those other characters that you made before. But also, that's the thing in Dragon Age 2 that immediately kind of turned me off, is that, like, Leliana does not... In Dragon Age 1, there were a lot of things you could do, including, like, killing her, that (laughs) just... Dragon Age 2 is like, no, we're just not going to talk about that. So at that point, you kind of lose the trust of the audience that you're actually making good on these uh, interactions you have with these characters. And I think that's that's part of the, the reason 2 felt off to me, was it was that first admittance of, okay, we are... Like, we understand we gave you this choice, but we're making a story. And then when you do that and then have a story that's also very small in scope, it makes me feel like I don't have the actual sense of the world they want me to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I've always felt like it's, um, like, I I can't imagine what it's like as a player who ended up having Liana dead in Origins to then see her back in Inquisition. Like, it's just, like, totally fine um i think they play a little loose with the canon uh so i agree i think that's just um i i I realize that they can't account for every single decision um especially in such a humongous world uh encompassing different casts but like you said you start to lose trust when you see that that can't be done right by what were you gonna say at least sorry um, I was going to say a very embarrassing story about Liliana. Oh, tell us. Yes. Who yes. I, so this is super embarrassing, but I never actually recruited her because I completely missed her. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I met her was in Inquisition. Oh. And that, oh, see, that's, that's, yeah. that's like, 
Like, it makes me think of Final Fantasy VII and Yuffie and how you can technically miss Yuffie when she's such an integral character in the rest of the compilation. Like, you should not be able to miss out on Liliana, especially if she's right? such an integral part of Dragon Age Inquisition. And she's also the focus of one of the Dragon Age Origins DLCs, right? Yeah. Yeah, she is. I So, you know, I, I feel like I should go back and just replay and actually have her <laughs> in my party uh, because that feels like such a glaring omission. Um, it, but it's funny because whenever other people are talking about Leliana's past, I'm just kind of nodding and I'm like, oh, God, should I tell them <laughs> <laughs> this fatal flaw that I did? Uh, the HD and- collection has to be next, right? Like, that's got to be the next thing there after Mass Effect. Like that, mm-hmm. that seems per- entirely logical before Dragon Age 4 to let people catch up on those games. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, their way to circumvent around that issue has been the Dragon Age Keep, which is not something that Mass Effect has. Um, which the Dragon Age Keep, uh, for anyone that may not know, is this website where you import your choices throughout every Dragon Age game and you can watch sort of a a presentation version of the combination of your choices and your story throughout these three games. So, I mean, I wonder if they will do that or if they'll just sort of leave it up to the keep, especially because the keep was such a popular thing when people were starting Dragon Age Inquisition. That was like a very, something that they really focused on marketing was make sure to use the Dragon Age keep because I mean, we've had origins from the ps3 you know era and dragon age 2 and so incorporating those choices to the next generation was going to be impossible so um they also want to do that i imagine with dragon age 4 because we're so getting it you know yeah but asking me about like my choices from 13 years ago is probably not like i can tell you Mm -hmm. if hawk's sister died i can't tell you if like i can't remember the name of the guy from Dragon Age Origins One. Like, did I, I make you. him who, king? Who? Who? Um, uh, Alistair. Yes, Alistair. Like, I don't remember what happened to him. I remember vaguely what he looks like. And I remember the fact that like I once killed a rat and he became covered in blood, which is part of that <laughs> game systems. And that's all I remember about him. I mean, <laughs> that's a really that's a really good point, Emron. Is because like I I remember there are so many choices that I've like agonized over, but I can't mm-hmm. actually remember what many of those choices are. Um. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, what would be great is just if I have the time is revisiting the entire series before the next game comes out. And then if there is some sort of like Dragon Age keep system where I have to answer kind of questions of decisions, I can sort of just do that Mm -hmm. again if it's fresh in my memory. But that's that's asking a lot right of your players. So I don't know what the best, you know workaround is that for you know really but um mm-hmm. i do hope that there is still a continuation of decisions regardless in some way yeah i think they'll just keep using the dragon age keep and updating it because it's worked so well for them the only issue is that like there are so many permutations they've done a really good job of accounting for the smaller and bigger decisions that it was a totally normal thing back when I remember when it first came out and my friends and I were filling it and we would talk to each other about what we were choosing. Um, so many people were like, who the fuck is this character? Like, I don't remember doing this. And that was back then. That was six 
ish years ago around that time um and we did not remember like there were so many things i was just like okay i'll just pick this because it seems like it's less problematic um but i don't remember who this person is uh and a lot of people i think are going to be experiencing the same as we move on to dragon age 4 whenever that is yeah yeah, like, because admittedly, I feel like present day, I don't think about Dragon Age as much. Like, I love the series, but I don't think mm-hmm. about it as much as I do maybe, like, Mass Effect, which I've revisited way more kind of thing. So, like, there are a lot of, like, I have a goldfish brain, and I have a lot of blank spots, <laughs> like, in my memory of, like, some of the bigger beats. Absolutely. But I, I think it's a... I think it's a pretty okay and good system and, like, way to yeah. circumvent because... I do remember that it led to some really interesting story beats in Inquisition. So my, um, so I know that we've got notes about the fade and the veil in here, and I have a story about that. I actually have a an outcome that not many people had, which was so you know how in the fade in Dragon Age Inquisition you have the um, warden Stroud. Sorry, I'm wrong. Spoilers, but I mean you'll get to it eventually. I'm sure. <laughs> it's been six years. Um, but you have Stroud and you have Hawk from Dragon Age Two in the Fade, right? At least you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. And you kind yeah. of have to sacrifice one at the end. Um, yeah. I <laughs> I thought I was doing something really noble in Dragon Age Origins, and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna make Alistair king because he doesn't even want it, and he should be free to choose what he wants to in life. We all deserve that. So he ended up being my warden and I had to choose between killing Alistair or Hawk. So- oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. What did you do? I killed Alistair. <laughs> oh my God. Um, people were so mad at rough. me. My friends were so mad at me. But that was rough. Like that was me staring at that screen and having this really unexpected permutation um, resulting from my choices that I incorporated from the keep. And I was just like, like, how is this happening? I mean, I, I did not expect that whatsoever. And so I'm really interested in seeing how Dragon Age 4 will then incorporate all the like things like who becomes the divine in Dragon Age 3. I mean, so many choices in Dragon Age Inquisition are so much, uh, their reach extends so much farther than the confines of Dragon Age 2 and Hawk and the people around Hawk and Kirkwall. Um, So I Mm. am super curious as to how that's going to, uh, you know, who is sitting as a divine and how is that going to affect Tevinter, which is where we'll be going in the next Dragon Age. How will that affect the characters that are living there? Um, I know Dorian will probably show up as we've sort of gotten hints at, um, especially Mm. since he does live in Tevinter. So I... I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. And I can't even predict how they're going to account by all of those different results and possibilities and whether that will only increase the problem of the frustration of not really doing right by these choices. Because there's there's sort of like a, there's a general path that they kind of want to take you on. Well, right. in that vein, let me ask you this question. What if... In a hypothetical but not entirely unrealistic situation, they decide, okay, you're not importing anything to Dragon Age 4. You are, we, we've made a canon story. You can start from here with your own choices and things like that, but we're not doing the every choice matters for the next six games kind of thing because mm-hmm. that's come back and bit us in the ass before. Like, would they, would you still be as interested in that game? 
I mean, I think yes, people would be really mad. But, <laughs> like, I'm still going to play it, but I think that would be extremely disappointing. For I think sure. people would be really mad just because I mean, there is this something that I, at least my observation of being entrenched in both fandoms is that people take Dragon Age really seriously like on a political philosophical level um oh yeah like you do not tend to see debates on reddit about mass effect and the politics and how your choices affect the different rights and factions and groups of people in mass effect but you will always see that for dragon age and people get really intense about it to the point that i think it, it can be harmful to like Imran said, use these uh, fantasy world tropes that are sort of supposed to be allegories for real world conflicts. Um, and so I think people get really intense about that. And I think if it, it would feel like an infringement maybe on some people and the politics that they have embraced throughout their Dragon Age journey. Like I am very pro-mage, for example. Um, mm. And I know that I would... There's not just, it's not just about my relationships to these characters, but it's about my relationship and my politics to the world that is, that Dragon Age engages with very intentionally more than Mass Effect. And I feel like that would make a lot of people really mad. Did that make sense? Um, yeah, no, I feel yeah, like I think, that's such I think people would be mad, but at, at some point, like, from a development perspective, there's so many permutations of what could be the case of mm -hmm. Dragon Age 4 that I, I feel like somebody's throwing up their hands being like, why aren't we doing this? Yeah. Right. Because they've but said yeah. before, like, we have about at least six games planned around there. So... Uh, the I good old that, Shenmue strategy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like Dragon Age. I mean, who knows when we'll see those games since we still haven't seen Dragon Age 4 after all these years. We've known of... The complicated development that has gone on with that game um it was rebooted after several years into production so um and we recently got news that it was going to be a live service game but it is no longer after the reception of anthem and star wars imagine? battlefront yeah i was i when when jason schreier um reported that I, I actually started crying like when I tweeted I'm actually crying I was actually crying because I I hated the idea of a live service development so much and a live service game I was not but, sure how that was going to work and it was just going to ruin it for me so that is one thing that I want to see from Dragon Age 4 no live service and I got it baby got it confirmed recently, yeah. so yeah but that is like so the opposite of what the fan base wants which exactly. was just like baffling for me to read when I saw that report mm -hmm. like I don't even know what that means like is it were they thinking like expansions like Final Fantasy 14 kind of thing or were they I like have no let's idea. have a multiplayer mode I have no idea because I'm not I think they might have openly said it at one point but it wasn't something that they had really discussed openly that much either either they mentioned it officially or it was sort of an open secret um and so i know that for example the dragon age inquisition multiplayer was not well received um i don't even one. remember it i saw that I note in this video i'm like what multiplayer? I don't think I ever touched it. <laughs> there are so many people who forget that it had a multiplayer. Like, it, on paper, I thought it was so interesting. The variety of classes, the traversing through dungeons with a party. Um, 
those concepts were really interesting to me. But I know that when I first played it, I played one match and I didn't it didn't click with me. And I guess that happens for literally everyone because, and it is sad because I felt like so much work went into that, but nobody really played it. Um, same with Mass Effect Andromeda as a multiplayer. Like I think they've been trying to replicate the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer magic and it just has not worked for some reason. Um, so I was just thinking, if you're gonna make this a live service, you have to have like a really good track record of making multiplayer experiences that, you know, foster and, develop communities for years to come and that's just not something that has been the norm for Bioware that Mass Effect 3 multiplayer is an exception like a really good exception but people still right. play it I still play it Elise and I still play it um, we do yeah we do <laughs> but <laughs> but all the other multiplayer experiences that Bioware has done that has not been the case yeah no that was definitely a period where like you had to do multiplayer or your game wasn't just going to be taken seriously. But then everyone put multiplayer in the games and then none of them were ever... Like, Mass Effect 3, again, an exception. Like, but Assassin's Creed had it for a while and they took it away. Apparently Dragon Age had it and I, I looks like nobody <laughs> ever played it. Well, Assassin's Creed multiplayer was actually good. Yeah, it was mostly. real good. I really I enjoyed loved, it. I loved that. And I'm still very sad that that was discontinued. They should just put it uh, And there are out. still, th those those communities are still alive, surprisingly, sort of. I mean, I'm on like a Discord of <laughs> people who still play Assassin's Creed multiplayer. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like, I mean, I don't care if Dragon Age 4 has multiplayer either way. Like, just separated I just from worry. The story. Sorry, separated from the story? Like, just to make, like, what you want is I mean, to make sure that it's separated from the story, or? No, I said, like, I just, I don't care either way if it's, okay. if it's part of the game. Mm -hmm. um, like, if there's multiplayer or not. I, I, I don't look at Dragon Age and think, oh, I want to play the multiplayer. That's not what I'm going to play that kind of game for. So, it if it's there, that's fine. And, you know, it even if it's an afterthought, like, it's not, it's probably not something I'm going to touch, so. Mm-hmm. Speaking of combat. What do you want to see from Dragon Age 4 in terms of that? Because <clears throat> well, I know that I actually liked Dragon Age 2's turn to action. I felt it was, I mean, I think it, I think it largely depends on the fact that Dragon Age Origins combat has not aged well, but I think it was the more interesting system of the two. But in terms of playing the moment-to-moment -moment stuff, I think I enjoyed Dragon Age 2 just because I could get through it quickly. Um, but I think the best of both worlds was Dragon Age Inquisition, and I want to see more of that battle system with new classes. Um, I thought some classes like Necromancer and Night Enchanter were really cool, um, but they do get a little too powerful later on, in my opinion. So I'm curious as to what you both want to see in terms of combat from the next game. This won't surprise right. you at all, but I did not like Dragon Age 2's change to be a little faster. <laughs> I, liked, I liked Dragon Age Origins like, more thoughtful pausing combat that mm -hmm. said if they were going to make a big change for dragon age 4 and not necessarily go back to one of the old systems here's the crazy idea i think they should just copy final fantasy 7's action pause style i think worked for Fantasy Seven remake i should say worked mm -hmm. really well and if a dragon has a game, tactical system as well yeah like you could you could pause that game and like take your time and just like figure things out and get your breather but like it also was a very good 
are a fairly competent uh, character action combat battle system as well. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to go further in that direction, I think that would actually work out fairly well for Dragon Age. It wouldn't be Dragon Age anymore in terms of like the old battle systems for sure, mm-hmm. but I think it would be an interesting change for, like that they could pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, At least. Yeah, I was going to say I that. I see a, something I, here about switching weapons. <laughs> yeah. Like, remind me if that's right, but I think in, in Inquisition, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, you couldn't actually switch weapons in battle. So you're just kind of stuck with whatever you chose as your, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, like, I, I'm pretty much on Imran's side here where I think in terms of combat origins was the best at that. And I know that it, sort of an old school system, but I do like the pause and play where I can just kind of very carefully tact, you know, have like a tactical way of thinking and just like have a breather, even if I want it. Um, and just think about like what I want to do in combat, um, instead of the more like action. But Inquisition had a tactical system. It did, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was was not optional right. and like you could tell it was yeah. optional you could tell it was like okay dragon Age origins fans we know like we'll yeah. give you the thing you want it's like it's like we have dragon Age origins at home kind of thing <laughs> this is kind of what not quite what they want for what you want for the battle system and mm-hmm. because it just falls short it feels like it shouldn't have been in there at all right. I, I just want more like like I want it to be more versatile, I guess, Mm. in battle, Mm -hmm. where I feel like you chose your classes and, you know, like each character would just kind of do exactly what you would expect. And I just I want to, like, be able to change up things more on the fly as I'm playing. Like, that's why I bring up being able to change weapons like, I don't know, giving someone a bow and arrow or then giving them daggers or, you know, like being able to just kind of like adapt would Mm -hmm. be a lot more fun because I feel like in Inquisition, I would getting kind of bored with the combat because it was just felt very similar all the yeah. time after a while it becomes a little button mashy like i'm not really thinking about what i'm you doing. don't have to think which is fine i mean like which is empty. part of the marketing like, thing for it because remember like that dragon age 2 was the we want you to feel like press a for awesome or whatever it was like they did not know how to market that game at all so they kind of leaned into these like weird 90s era slogans for it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Because I, I did not see the marketing at the time. I also played <laughs> Dragon Age Origins by the time that Dragon Age 2 had come out. But before mm. Dragon Age Inquisition was, it had been revealed, but it hadn't really been marketed. So I caught mm. up like right before the promotion for that started. And I, I didn't see any commercials of Dragon Age 2 or any marketing or anything. Oh, this is like from the developers t- saying it. So like, it's, oh. it's one thing that like sticks in my head of like, when people talk about Dragon Age 2 being mashy, I remember that line of like, every time we press the A button, we want you to think awesome. I'm like, you guys <laughs> wow. don't know what Dragon Age is, do you? <laughs> Yeah. And I, I appreciate them thinking of those of us who have empty heads and no brain cells, <laughs> but I I agree. I I would like something a little more versatile because I I remember I, I always play as a mage and I remember one of the classes that you can specialize in in Dragon Age Inquisition is Night Enchanter. And I remember just seeing so many memes of people memeing the class because like after a point you're just... You're basically um, swinging like so- magical swords and just like twirling around, and it's very button mashy ultimately. So, 
you know, that's definitely something that they can improve upon. Um, so we've talked a lot about combat, but I want to return to the heart of Dragon Age and, and like as a series, which is its characters and its stories, um, because I'm seeing something about romances in here, about uh, oh, yeah. you know, changing up the format of romances, which makes me think in the last several years, we have seen video games that have tackled romance a lot more meaningfully than at the time Dragon Age Inquisition came out. I mean, it's not a choice-based narrative, but today, uh, at least, you had a review on Maquette, is it? Oh, yeah. Yes, Maquette. Uh, Maquette, yeah. Maquette go up on Washington Post, and that is a really nice puzzle game with a center on a love story. And we've seen games like Florence. Um, we've seen games tackle romance a lot more meaningfully through systems like, um, you know, uh, Witcher 3 also has sort of better writing, I would say, like a little less gamified in terms of the romances in there. Um, and I know you love The Witcher 3, so I'm totally. I'm curious as to your ideas for changing up the format of romances, because as of right now, what we've had is approval, loyalty mission, and then if you do want the loyalty mission, or maybe if you don't, you can still get a sex yeah. scene and then that's kind of it and i mean unless you're unless you romance solace then after that he breaks up with you and then he like tears <laughs> out your arm in the trespasser dlc and then he says that he's going to kill you so like and yet you different. still love the Eggman. <sighs> he is my ultimate favorite i don't <laughs> it's so messy of me like i've talked about oh, solace before in my history with him um but yeah, I'm curious as to what changes you'd like to see in romance. Because I, I feel like Dragon Age has done pretty well. And I feel like Inquisition was a step above Dragon Age 2 especially. Dragon Age 2 was, you know, very gamified. Um, but yeah, I'm curious as to what you want to see from that department in Dragon Age 4. Yeah, I... I have a lot of ideas, to be honest. <laughs> I think about romance in games a lot and also just the format of romance in games. Uh, and I think it's very interesting to see the evolution of Dragon Age and how far they've come. And as you know, you know, you think of uh, you think of Dragon Age Origins, it's you know, that kind of gift giving sort of format that mm -hmm. they have. So much of it was for so long based on approval. Even in Dragon Age Inquisition, a lot of it is about approval and who likes you that so it like you you're like you're bringing up there's the there's the approval there's the loyalty quests and then there's the sex scene and I feel like in with Bioware across the board you know with whether it's Mass Effect or Dragon Age a lot of the time they treat the sex scene as that like ultimate reward to yep. the player mm -hmm. like you have you know spent X amount of time uh, with this character and they like you X amount you know. So you're finally able to get to that spot. It, it feels very gamified, which is like, it's fine, but I feel like it's just kind of the same format over and over again. And it would be really interesting to see that rethought somehow, you know, whether that's, I don't know, like, what if it was something crazy? Like, 
not crazy, but you know, like everything mm-hmm. is so like monogamous. What if there was like poly polyamorous relationships or mm-hmm. if you could like for, as someone like I jump around a lot in these, like I'm talking about in my relationships in video games where like I, I like to sort of like date different characters and see how I feel until finally like choosing somebody. It would be cool if they like, I don't know, like dived into that a little more and just gave you a little bit more freedom instead of like locking you into a relationship, um, which has definitely happened to me inadvertently sometimes um, in Mass Effect, especially. (laughs) But yes, uh, I would love to see them sort of um, reimagine the kind of format that that would look like. I mean, it's also, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say like games like the Bioware titles in terms of romance, they tend to mistake positivity for romantic intention, which is a thing that Mm -hmm. I like you absolutely, because it gives people these ideas that as long as you're nice to someone, they owe you sex, which is completely wrong. And it's like, (laughs) like Mass Effect three, particularly, I remember this conversation. Well, I was talking to Vega and I was like, yeah, man, you should totally take the Reaper exam. That's totally cool. And like one of the next lines was, and also now we should make out or something. And I'm like, no (laughs) game. You've totally misread this conversation I'm having with this guy. Like, I think he, he's great. Not romantically interested in him. And games can't tell the difference. And Dragon Age kind of... Dragon Age 2, particularly, went a little too hard on this idea by making it so every romantic option has a heart icon. So there is no mistaking what the heart icon does or, like... There's no mistaking how you get into this person's pants. And Mm -hmm. I think that is a thing that these games need to figure out because at some point it's... It makes you feel a little sleazy that you're basically a, a pickup artist in these games because you you have the exact information. The algorithm has told you exactly how to get this woman in bed. And I I would love it if Bioware... I, I don't know how to do it. I'm not a game designer. I don't know how you would do this and also still make it a video game. But it does... I do at some point feel slimy playing this stuff and being like, oh, I'm interested in her. Let me just compliment her until her pants come off. I feel like... right. <sighs> Sometimes yeah. I also like, <laughs> I wasn't sure if I really wanted to make a decision, but because it had the heart icon, I was like, okay, let me do this for Solas. And then I, and then I find out that I've told him that I want to help him in his quest to destroy the world and everyone in it. <laughs> um. Yeah, there has to be some sort of like rethinking of like, maybe sex is not always the ultimate goal or the ultimate reward. Like they have to mm-hmm. sort of rethink that. Games have always struggled with, but making that into a system and sort of I do, just encouraging the player. I do like the system of approval, gaining someone's approval. Um, but I, like in Inquisition, I'm thinking a lot about how like also all those characters have sort of different preferences and sexual preferences. And some of that's fine. Other stuff I found just a little weird. And I don't know if you guys agree, but like I, I would like those preferences to be more like about personality instead of just like um oh they're an elf i'm not gonna date them kind of thing right yeah Yeah. like it does get a little weird with the whole race thing right so but like delving into more like um i don't like vivian because you know she's kind of snobby like that's fine (laughs) you know that i i would like more like personality driven um preferences cool right and i think i hope that is something they've learned because i do remember seeing that iron bull was originally not romantable by i think it was elves and dwarves um and it took it might have been john epler 
um, narrative designer. And now I think he is a director on cinematics, um, something like that. But it took him staying and other designers staying overtime and wanting to incorporate that romance for everyone. That's mm. why other races can romance Aaron Bull, but originally that was not the case. That was not in the plans. Um, so I do huh. I do think they should be a little better about the race thing. Cause I, I know because it feels unfair, right? Like if you don't play an Elven female mage in Dragon Age, not a female mage, but just an elven woman in Dragon Age Inquisition, there are a lot of people that feel like they missed out on something because they didn't romance Solace, or maybe they were a female elf, but they just didn't want to romance Solace, which is perfectly understandable. Um, not exactly. something that I would do, <laughs> but <laughs> I totally understand people not doing it. He's ugly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, some people feel like they've missed out on such a core aspect of the story because that romance really, it is very minor as that romance and Cullen's romances were implemented afterwards. They weren't originally intended to be romanceable characters, but what is there changes so much of the story for you if you decide to romance him. And you can only get that content if you are an elven female mage or elven female character i keep uh, i keep saying mage but that's because i was a mage and i think everyone should play a mage at one point so yeah yeah um and also cassandra should be gay just saying she should be. I, I think i think the series needs more like you say here in the notes the series needs more sapphic romances it it does like it was really frustrating playing inquisition and my only options were Josephine, who's fine, and Sarah, who's fine, but, like... Fine. It, was, it was, like, an elevated pitch. She's yeah, fine. like, uh, kind she of She has internalized racism, and she's very irritating. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, she's annoying as hell. Um, she's an interesting character, but just a frustrating yeah. one. I have never been able to befriend her. She's the only character I have never been able to have a proper gotcha. friendship with by the DLC. <laughs> And it's like, I can't with the internalized racism, baby. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Are there any races that you all want to play as? Or, like, races that you would sort of want to... Because I know a lot of people are upset that there are no dwarven romances. So I know that that's something a lot of people want in Dragon Age 4. They want to romance a, a dwarf. Um, but I'm... I want more Canaries, which I think will... I was literally yeah. going to say... Come on. I was really happy like Inquisition allowed you to play as a Canary, but like... Yes. I, I feel like th there are all these cultures and worlds that could totally are open up to that... Granted, again, this is the problem of it will take so much work to do so. But I would mm -hmm. really... If, if Dragon Age is about the world, I really love to play as the world, basically. I'd love to go into all these cultures and actually play as a Canary that acts like a Canary that has these Canary-like cultures and values and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I played as Kendra the Canary. I love her. Um, <laughs> Kendra the Canary. <laughs> Kendra the Canary, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I love the Canary. I find them extremely fascinating. And I love Iron Bull, too. He's like he's a big teddy bear with a really interesting past. Um, Unless he decides to betray you at the end of Trespass. Aren't well, look, that's details <laughs> that we don't need to talk about here. It's just semantics. <laughs> yeah, it's a fine print. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
something else that I want to make sure to express that I want more of is I think uh, Baldur's Gate 3 has absolutely one-upped Dragon Age Inquisition in this regard, but I loved the Dragon Age Inquisition character creator. I still think it's a really good character creator, and I know that the bar oh, yeah. is really not high in that regard, but like for me, it was especially coming off Dragon Age 2 and how limited and bad the options for skin tones are in that game to the point that I was just like, I'm just going to play as the default white Marion Hawk, the, the default female Hawk. Like being able to get the precise skin tone that I wanted in Dragon Age Inquisition, being able to use the sliders to modify your nose, your, you know, your jowls. Like that character creator went so hard. It could have had better hair options as most <laughs> games can, um, but it went so hard. And I was so, I, I always, I like to replay that game a lot. And I realized that I don't really like to replay it so much as replay the character creator. I'll just make a character in, the character creator i'll do maybe the first section and i'm like okay i'm bored um but i just have so much fun creating a character in dragon age inquisition and i want to see a character creator that really wows me just like it did in inquisition because i know that andromeda's was not all that great like they they improved upon it after development but like a lot of things about that game that was mm -hmm. subpar my problem yeah. with the character creators has always been like, it's it's great when you actually make the character, then and you then bring we them see into the, the character. Game. Yeah, you bring them into <laughs> the game, and like their rigging has to match like the lip lip syncing of the the character saying that stuff, and sometimes it just goes real bad. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got to go back and fi find this out and fix this because <laughs> for whatever reason, in the cutscenes, he looks like a monster. So, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I the Inquisition uh, character creator is really good, and I think I think Kendra had these beautiful glossy lips. Um, oh like, yes, I love really the shine. matte slash glossy lips options and like oh the. My God. But I do remember that. Did you have this issue where if you put like a small amount of gloss, it just looks like it was drenched in oil? Yes. Yeah. Oh <laughs> they need to do better. It's about kind that. of ridiculous, but it looks really good. So I'm just kind of like, hell yeah. I it did, but I just went full matte. I was like, oh, my yeah. girl gonna have cracked lips all the way because <laughs> she, if I put a little bit of gloss on that whole, like her lips are just drenched in oil. And so I was like, absolutely just not. So they need to it do a little better funny. about that. <laughs> but overall, the character creator was so incredible and so diverse, especially since like we've talked about this like just a minute ago, the fact that you can play Diff like four different races in Dragon Age Inquisition and that the options are different for each one. Like there are different sort of hairstyles for the Canari than for the human and the elf, I believe. Um, being able to change the horns, I think is something that you can do, right? I don't remember because I don't, I, I didn't play as a Canari. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm so you can change sure. so much. And I think that is... It's so wonderful. And the only character creator that I can imagine I've had that much of a good time with, or like not imagine, but remember is Baldur's Gate 3, which has the best character creator that I've seen so far. And even then, it's still not perfect. Um, for that, you can read more uh, over at Kotaku. Ash Parrish did a wonderful, she has like a column where she um, 
you know, evaluates different character creators. Uh, the most recent one that she evaluated was the Cyberpunk 2077 one. Um, and she looked at the Baldur's Gate 3 character creator and made an incredible analysis of it. So I definitely remember that. I recommend that. Which um, Larian had to yell at people to be more creative with because everyone was just making like yes. <laughs> normal white humans. Exactly. Uh, so I... Yeah, I, I can't say that about any other character creator besides those two. Final Fantasy XIV is pretty good, but you're kind of, um, as Mike Williams said, like, if I want to make, you know, like, a brown or black character, like, I'm really just playing this, like, person with a few nose options and very few lip options and nothing else and... You know, their skin is brown, but like their features are very specifically tied to these certain presets. Um, and you can't really go out of that. So I I can't really talk about that character creator as like a standard that I want to see. The standard for me is Dragon Age Inquisition or Baldur's Gate 3. More Baldur's Gate 3, really. Demon Souls, the, the new remake actually has a surprisingly I heard it was like, really good yeah it's really extensive like the stuff you were talking about like jowls and things like that you could actually do that in that one whoa that's so cool yeah <laughs> so i want to see more of that is there something else that we haven't touched on that both of you would like to see in dragon age 4 for sure I, I think for me, incidental quest design is going to be like a, because like, again, back to Dragon Age 2, one of the things that always got me about that game was how many times you would talk to someone and be like, I found that thing you were looking for. And the person goes, oh, that thing, I lost it. Thank you for finding it for me. And then you pass <laughs> something off screen, like under the screen that you can't see, be like, here is your quest experience. Like, they need to get away from that. I need to, I want to be like reasonably involved and attached to the quests I am doing and Dragon <laughs> Age 2 didn't do a great job of that not even for like the bigger side quests but the small ones especially mm-hmm. yeah Inquisition 2 like it had fill- just like so everyone knows that many. game has filler quests or like so fetch quests so many yeah. fetch quests that yeah. it's kind of ridiculous yeah um yeah like more meaningful quests Absolutely. But I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but um, I think we, we hit most of the um, the big points. Did you think the main campaign was meaty enough in Dragon Age Inquisition? Because I remember that being a criticism, and I was wondering if you agree on that. I don't think I have any major criticisms towards the length. And I don't know. I, I, I guess, like, I'm at a period in my life now where I... I'm kind of I'm I'm less interested in playing a game for a hundred hours. That mm-hmm. if it's if it's gonna be shorter shorter and less meaty, that's perfectly fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I play a lot of games and I don't always have the time. You know, especially with my job, I don't have the the time to <laughs> to sit uh, and play like a, a very lengthy RPG kind of thing. So um, yeah, if you're it's, always if busy at Washington Post, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So what you're saying is you want to see something more like Trespasser. Yeah. Something yeah. more focused on the story. Like, I think that is just such a good formula for Dragon Age going forward. And I don't know if they can replicate that in like a mainline game. But Trespasser was everything that I wanted from Dragon Age. It was... Very, uh, a very specific story, streamlines, no like bullshit on the outside, no 
fetch quests, no filler quests, begging for your attention. It was just this really good focused source, like story with so many permutations. And I think Bioware would really benefit from just more focus like that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Honestly, to an extent, like, I don't think it was executed well, but Cyberpunk is a good example of that game was not several hundred hours long, like people thought it would be. It was a fairly short 20 hour experience, which is, I say fairly short, but like compared to other kinds of games of its ilk, especially like The Witcher. I think a Dragon Age game that is short and focused and has a main campaign that does not take several days to finish would probably benefit, especially the way they want to tell that story of the world. Yep. At least do you agree with that? Because you were cyberpunk. I did. (laughs) Uh, I have many problems with cyberpunk, but the quest design isn't largely a part of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that... Much like The Witcher 3, the meat of cyberpunk is uh, the side quests and the characters you meet and the relationships that you make with them um, and how much time you spend with them. And, and you know, that kind of format is exactly what, what I want to see in a, in a Dragon Age game, right? Is, mm-hmm. is relationship-focused storytelling um, where, the, you know, the side stuff isn't fetch quests. It's, you know, getting to know the people around you more, mm-hmm. uh, learning about them and them learning about you. And, uh, yeah. So that, that that's a pretty good example, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think that'll wrap it up for this week's episode. Um, thank you to our listeners for, uh, you know, accepting this, uh, this will not be the permanent cast of 99 <laughs> Potions going forward. Um, but we appreciate you all sticking with us on our Dragon Age 4 uh, discussion. Um, so thank you, Imran, for joining. It's like the third episode you've already been on. And I feel like you got here like, I don't know, like two weeks ago. Like how long has it been? I feel like I, time is such I- a social construct. I've been here for one month and three of those episodes I've been here. I've done this yeah. cast. Yeah. So thank Dang. you for hopping by to be with your <laughs> RPG pals. This week it's just RPG pal, but it's being with your RPG pal and an ex-game informer friend. So. <laughs> um, Elise, thank you for coming on to our show. Your first episode. Yeah, this was super fun. I wonder if there will be more in the future, I will be sure to keep you in the loop about that. Would be great. Yeah, be great. about coming back to talk more RPGs with the fam. Um, so yeah. Uh, so where can people find you on the internet, Elise? Favis. They can find me on Twitter at Elise Favis or at launcher.gg, which is the homepage for Launcher, which is the uh, video game vertical of the Washington Post. Ooh, wonderful, wonderful. Amron, where can people find you? See, when you ask me that, I feel like you're setting me up for a drag. Yeah. So like, I know, I know. All right, so you can find me on Twitter at ImranZOMG. You can also find me on Twitch, the same name. You can also find me on Fanbyte, where most are, all of my writing is these days. Yeah, I mean... When did you create that Twitch account since it has the same name as your Twitter? Okay, this is going to be even worse because <laughs> it, it used to be. Uh, so I created this account uh, about a year and a half ago. As oh. No, I created it many, many years ago. It was first uh, Shocking Alberto, which is a name that I took from a 
Japanese anime movie called Giant Robo. Uh, then <laughs> it was for a while GI Typhon Imran. For obvious reasons, I changed that about a year and a half ago <laughs> to just Imran ZOMD. <laughs> I had to keep the brand around. I oh. I still have so many accounts that are GILEs. Yep. Like, I think my like Epic Damn. Games account is still like a variation of that, which is frustrating. <laughs> I even have a PayPal account that's like still a Game Informer address, which I should really change anyway. Yes. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The past Game Informer fam struggle um please change your <laughs> please change your emails for those accounts please let this yeah. podcast be a reminder to not just you two here but also all of you out there who um still have email accounts tied to past job places or something <laughs> that's that's not good so uh, be sure to change those uh Jordan Mallory, our wonderful producer for this episode, can be found on Twitter at Jordan underscore Mallory. And you can find me at Twitter at Hardimicia. That's heart I-M-E-C-I-A. Um, God, I tried to avoid the clucking thing, but now this- I was going to ask. I, don't, I can't avoid it. I can't rely on Steven or John to do it. Wait, the um, what? So, Elise, we have a tradition that will go on until- <laughs> episode 50 um where we you know this this episode is named 99 potions right and so we gotta go to the bar we decide to sit down at the bar get a potion uncork it you know all that good stuff and then emron you better do this with me i will have Um, to do it this time i guess yes yes and then we pop that open and we go glug 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 glug